Welcome to the Contagious Hope Podcast, where we believe that things don't just happen by chance, but that God is working in every detail of life. We believe, like the Bible says, that he who began a good work in us will bring it to completion. So he's not done with you yet, and there is much hope to be had as we seek out the abundant life Jesus promised and daily move closer to our heavenly home. So with that said, let's jump right in to our next episode of Contagious Hope. It is good to be back. I have been out for about a month with Contagious Hope, so I am sorry for that. I've just been so busy. We got four kids, end of the school year activities. I'm coming off of about a week of not feeling well. Praise God, I'm feeling better. So let me just launch into this with a prayer. Father, we give you praise today, and we ask for just blessing through what we're going to discuss, that it would bring uh, someone hope and give seeds of blessing in the hearts of the people who listen to this, that they may draw closer to you, Jesus. Real simple, uh, humble request. We give you all the praise and glory. Lord, bless this time. Make it be fruitful and productive for the, in the hearts of the listeners. We thank you. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Come Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I have been discerning what I need to talk about. We've been talking about qualities and characteristics of God, but I just felt like the Holy Spirit has been putting on my heart to go through the book of 1 Samuel, or maybe First and Second Samuel. We'll see how far he carries us. And so we're going to jump into 1 Samuel chapter 1 today and do a just a Bible study over 1 Samuel chapter 1. There's a sweet message in this that if you don't get anything else out of this, I pray that you get the theme of the message that our faithfulness in prayer matters. So file that away. Before I go on, I just want to say praise God. You know, contagious hope is just something, a seed in my heart that God put in my heart. And I am not the most techie. And so by his grace, he has helped me uh, do this. I've watched a bajillion YouTube videos on how to do podcasts and still I'm sure rough around the edges. So thanks for your grace. And and I just I am honored that you would spend this time with me studying our word. You know, the, the word of God, excuse me. You know, my wife and others have asked me, Hey, what, what's your point of doing the podcast? What are you, you know, uh, wanting to accomplish here? And that's a really good question. And so really the truth is I just wanted to start a podcast because there's so many talking heads out there saying all kinds of crazy things that are not biblically, biblically based. It's, they're saying things that are untruth. And, and the sad thing is that a lot of people are believing those things. And so the source of truth is the word of God. And so I want to just point people back to the word of God. So when we get on here and we do this Contagious Hope podcast, I really just want you to appreciate and love and learn to love even more the word of God because it's the source of truth. And so um, God reveals himself to us daily and continually. And so I believe that he's still writing the Bible in and through our lives, but it gives us such a great frame of reference and point of reference and North Star, the word of God. So, and, and I know some of you, Buzzsprout, which is the um, platform that I record this on and, and who produces this and sends it out to all the podcast um, providers, essentially, 
they show you where your podcast goes and who it reaches and which cities it's downloaded in and that sort of thing. And so by God's grace, I'm so humbled by this, by God's grace, um, praise his name. You know, this podcast has been downloaded in a place like Indonesia and Bulgaria and Finland and Malaysia and India and really all over. And so if you are that listener in Finland uh, and they say that Finland is like a post-Christian society. Maybe I, I don't. I don't believe in that word. I think that's uh, silly because there's always room for revival. So as you listen in Finland or in Indonesia or Malaysia, it, which is primary Muslim, India, which is primary primarily Hindu, just know that you are not alone. Hear this message today and know that you're not alone. You are an anchor in that place for. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, the Messiah who's come to save all of the world. You are an anchor of faith in that place. God sees you. Live it out. Live out loud, uh, unashamedly, with loving gentleness and discernment, obviously, and gentleness and respect. But just know that God has you in that place to live for Jesus. Be encouraged. He loves you. He sees you. He knows you. And he will, by his Holy Spirit, give you the power to live in a way that will change the world in that area because of the way that you live. So just know that I love you and my heart is, is with you. But more importantly, God is with you. All right, let's turn to 1 Samuel chapter 1. When we study the Bible, this is the way that we're going to do it. We're going to read the whole chapter and we're going to go back and break it down into bite-sized pieces. So let's jump into 1 Samuel chapter 1. There was a certain man from Ramathium, a Zophite, from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jehoram, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuph, the son of an Ephraimite. Zuph and Ephraimite. He had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Penina and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her, and the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Her husband Elkanah would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Once they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly, and she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. And she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk, and he said to her, How long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. 
I've been praying here out of the great anguish, out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, go in peace. And may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. She, say, may, she said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went on her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning they arose and worshipped before the Lord and then went back to their home at Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, Because I asked the Lord for him. When her husband Elkanah went up with all his family to offer the annual sacrifice to the Lord and fulfill his vow, Hannah did not go. She said to her husband, After the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord, and he will live there always. Do what seems best to you, her, her husband Elkanah told her. Stay here until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord make good his word. So the woman stayed at home and nursed her son until she had weaned him. After he was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephra of flour, and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. When the bull had been sacrificed, they brought the boy to Eli, and she said to him, Pardon me, my Lord, as surely as you live, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life, he will be given over to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. Now, in the beginning of this, don't get lost in all the names, okay? Just know that there is a man, Elkanah, and he has two wives, Hannah and Penina. Penina has children, and Hannah has none. Now, remember, in those days, for Israelite women, it was a essentially a cursed thing to not be able to have children. Women were um, honored in the promotion of their family line and their family name. So if they had children, it was a sign of God's favor. And for the, for the husband, it was a sign, the first sign of the man's strength. And that's why Reuben, Jacob's first son, is kind of the, the first sign of Jacob's strength. The first son would receive the birthright, and, and, and women would be heartbroken over the fact that they couldn't have children. God used that as a curse. For example, with David's wife, Michael, when David danced before the Lord, and Michael looked at him and was embarrassed and dismayed that he did that. And the Bible says from that moment on, her he struck her womb, God struck her womb, and she wasn't able to have children. What's interesting about this is that many women of God with really powerful sons were barren. So we see this, that God opens the womb of Sarah, Abraham's wife, so that Isaac may be born. This, this patriarch, Isaac, God opens the womb of Rebekah. God opens the womb uh, so that Jacob can be born. God opens the womb of Rachel so that Joseph and Benjamin can be born. God opens the womb of Samson's mom. God opens the womb of Elizabeth, John the Baptist's mom. The Bible is intentional in saying that God opened the womb of these women and these heroes of faith, these mighty men were born. So they were anointed and appointed for powerful things. Now, here's the thing. If God has allowed you, some of you women who are listening to this, if God has allowed you after having a closed womb, if God has opened your womb to then have a child, 
know that that child has been anointed for kingdom purposes. In the same breath, let me say, if God has not allowed you to have children, don't feel uh, dismayed or, or cursed in any way because this foster child or this adopted child that you've brought into your house, God has special kingdom and anointed plans for that child. Fear God through me tell you this today. So God opens the womb of Hannah for the special anointing for her son, Samuel. So let's jump back into it. Year after year, Elkanah went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty, where Hophni and Phinehas, two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of meat to his wife, Penina, and to her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her and the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. Let me pause for a second. Now, who's her rival? So your first thought is her rival's Penina, the other wife, Elkanah's other wife. Of course, Michael. But I want you to think in, in more spiritual terms. If someone is, is provoking you and irritating you and trying to make you feel shame, who is that? In Ephesians, the Bible says that this, our war is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, the authorities, the powers in this dark world. Make no mistake, our enemy is Satan. Who's her rival? Satan himself. Because Satan is pointing a finger at her and maybe at you. If you're caught in some type of dead-end sin or situation, if you yourself have a closed womb, in whatever way that may play out, there are stop signs more than green lights in your life. There's something that you desperately want, but God has not allowed it to happen, at least not yet. And your rival is making you feel distraught, dismayed, shamed. Make no mistake, that rival is Satan. Jesus said in John 10, 10, I have come that they might have life and they might have it to the full. But he also says right before that, that, G, that the devil, his role is to steal and kill and destroy. He's the enemy. So anyway, her rival provokes her in order to irritate her. Verse seven, this went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. And that is a miserable place to be, be. Some of you have been there. When you're so downtrodden and disheartened that it's hard to even have an appetite. Her husband, Elkanah, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than 10 sons? He knows that why she's downhearted because her womb is closed. Once they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all of the days of his life. And no razor will ever be used on his head. And you may think, well, what do you mean? What does the Bible mean when it says no razor will ever be used on his head and he will be devoted to the Lord all of his life? That's the Nazarite vow. 
I mentioned Samson. Samson was also under the Nazarite vow. That's why his hair grew so long. And that was a vow to, to, where one would devote their child to the Lord's service. And so Hannah is weeping, sobbing, bitterly, crying out to the Lord. Listen, our God is a good father. He hears you when you sob and weep bitterly and ask, Lord, please hear the heart of my request. He hears it. And she kept on praying to the Lord. Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, but her lips were not moving, but her voice, her lips were moving, excuse me, but her voice was not heard. Eli, who's the priest, thought she was drunk. And he said to her, how, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Now, how lonely must she have felt? She feels the weight of not being able to propagate her family. She feels the curse of a closed womb. She feels her rival Satan, and then on earth, her rival Penina, irritating her and shaming her. How lonely of a spot that must be. Listen, have you ever been there? Have you, have you ever felt like, Lord, nobody knows what I feel. Nobody can understand what I feel. I can tell them, but they still won't be able to understand it. It just feels so despairing. Even the priest here is looking at her and, and accusing her of being drunk. Not so, my Lord, verse 15, Hannah replied. I'm a woman who, who, woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I've been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant you what you've asked of him. Okay, now Eli is doing what he's meant to do as a shepherd. Finally, he dials in and tunes in and says, go in peace. The Holy Spirit, the Bible says, gives us, gives us peace. It's one of the sweetest things about our Holy Spirit. It's this, when you take on Christ as Savior, when you trust in Jesus as Lord, the Holy Spirit gives you a seal your heart and your soul is sealed for heaven. But the Holy Spirit also just lays this shroud of peace. It's like a blanket of peace. Just falls on you. Go in peace. And may the Lord, the God of Israel, grant you what you have asked of him. Essentially saying, God's heard your prayer. Hang in there. She, say, she said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. And she went on her way and ate something in her face, was no longer downcast. Praise God. That's, that's a work of the Holy Spirit, that your face can go from downcast to no longer downcast. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not something our flesh can do as easily, but the Holy Spirit can help us. Verse 19, early the next morning, they arose and worshiped before the Lord. I want you to, to notice that. What did they do? The, the, the priest has essentially said, God has heard your prayer. And so what do they do? They worship. Are you able to worship in your heartache? Are you able to push aside the heartache and say, Lord, you are good. Lord, you are sovereign. Lord, I trust you in our cancer battle. We've had to do that over and over again. Lord, we don't know 
what you're doing right now, but we know what you've done. You defeated sin and death, and you laid claim to your throne over all creation, which you created. We know. We know it. I know it like I know I'm sitting here right now, that you're good and you have my best interest in mind. So, Lord, we're praying for healing for Denise. In the middle of it, let me just worship you, God, as the almighty good father. So they worshiped before the Lord and then went back to their home at Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife, Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. Mm. The Lord remembered her and the Lord remembered you. Say your name. And the Lord remembered Michael. The Lord remembered Denise. So verse 20, so in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. Wow, don't let this go past you. Every morsel of the word of God has meaning. Verse 20, so in the course of time. It didn't happen immediately. God is not a genie that at our every whim, he answers our request. He answers, he gives us our every wish at our every whim. No, the, the reason why God in the course of time does things is because our faith is built in that faithful space in the course of time. You might say, I've been praying for the salvation of my father for 30 years. Well, one of my good friend's father was came to know Christ and accepted him as, as his savior and was baptized when he was 84. Keep praying, keep praying. So in the course of time, so there's some things that you, you guys and gals have been praying over for a long time. The Bible says to you, he remembers you. In the course of time, he will show himself to be faithful. Continue to put that request on the altar like the persistent widow that Jesus talks about. Keep tugging on his coat tail, on his shirt tail. Daddy, 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 don't stop. That perseverance builds dedication. That perseverance builds faith. It builds in the course of time. Your faith will be strengthened in the course of time. Hannah became pregnant and he gave birth to a son and she named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. When her husband Elkanah went up with all his family to offer the annual sacrifice to the Lord to fulfill his vow, Hannah did not go. She said to her husband, after the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord, and he will live there always. Do what seems best to you, her husband Elkanah told her, which is shows faithfulness. If you're, Guys, if your wife is doing something that's faithful to the Lord, it's not time for you to drop a big gavel and say, we're going to do it my way. You say, hey, I'm trusting that you're trusting the Lord. Give her your love. Give her your support. Do what's best. What seems best to you, Elkanah told her. Stay here until you have weaned him, and only may the Lord make good his word. So the woman stayed at home and nursed her son until she had weaned him. After he was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. When the boy had been sacrificed, they brought the boy to Eli, and she said to him, Pardon me, Lord. As surely, my Lord, as surely as you live, I'm the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord. 
for his whole life, he will be given over to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. Mm, beautiful. Not, not as if to say, told you so. That's not what she's saying this to Eli. She's saying, I want you to know, Eli, that God heard my prayer, that God is faithful, and that this young child, now I am devoting to the Lord. Here's the thing, that your children are not yours. They're God's. So if something terribly bad or sad happens to your child, know that they're God's child more than they're your child. If something good happens, uh, you don't need to puff out your chest and say, look at what a great job I did raising my kid or my kid's handsome or beautiful or talented. Well, they are, but but it's because God gave them that. They're God's kid. They're, they're God's child. So let us, Lord, just devote our children to you. They're yours more than they're ours. And I love the last line, and he worshiped the Lord there. So can you worship today in the midst of your prayers? Because you're living maybe in this space, in this in parentheses, in the course of time. God hasn't answered your prayer yet. You're waiting to see how it's going to turn out. And you know that the devil works in fear of the unknown. But we're supposed to have the fear of the Lord, which is actually reassurance that God is good, God is faithful, that God loves you, and that he's going to do what's best. So let God open up a womb in you today of trust. I pray often, Lord, help me to love you with all of my heart and soul and mind and strength. But I've also learned to pray, Lord, let, help me to trust you to love you, but also to trust you with all of my heart, all of my soul, all of my mind, and all of my strength. So as we jump into the life of Samuel, one of the greatest men of God to ever live, know that God has plans for Samuel that are powerful and amazing and wrapped in humility. God is good. He hears you today. He hears your prayers. And you know what? He remembers you. And may the grace of the Lord Jesus be upon all God's people. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Contagious Hope. Be sure to follow our Instagram page at contagious.hope.podcast and feel free to DM any questions you have concerning any topics discussed. Signing off for Contagious Hope, where Jesus gives us all the hope we'll ever need.